You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. go season two episode seven of not another leafs podcast on the hockey podcast network ken Stapon joined by brendan mccarthy this is our expedited christmas version of not another leafs podcast bmac right around the corner christmas time in the city yeah i'm pumped man i'm really pumped how are those how are those pipes not bad no do you see my face i know the listeners couldn't see my face but i was just so appalled you look confused by what i'm hearing you look like you just went down six nothing in the third period. And ready to leave. <laughs> oh my god, what what a train wreck! Do you see um, the other day? I know we were talking about the football in the last podcast, but Liverpool just put up a touchdown on I forget who they're playing, Southampton. Yeah, just a, it was just a goal frenzy. I'm not like a huge Premier League guy, but like I do dabble a little bit. Like I'll watch it on Saturday morning, oftentimes when I'm in the TSN studio, and it was just an impressive display. That t- that side looks unbelievable. I watch a little bit when I have to. I don't usually watch it for, for pleasure. I, I uh... <laughs> <laughs> and if my uncle, if my uncle John's listening, he he would give me heck because he's always always on my case for just like caring about the major four. And yeah. I'm not the only one. Like no, you're not. Like it's not. Come popular. on. Football is just not popular in Canada. And when I say football, I don't know. I'm just I guess I'm just trying to be British, and that's like yeah. call it worldwide. It's like American football. It's like what we call football in North America, but then the rest of the world just calls soccer football. So I feel like I should just fall in line with what the rest of the world called it. Or footy. I, I love watching the game, but I don't necessarily get as like as involved in it. I think the timing of it is a little bit weird because it's like Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. At like 7 a.m. Prime time games. Yeah, so that's a little bit difficult for me. And then also the MLS teams, I just don't find the level of competition there all the time admittedly i love going to tfc games i think that they have the best atmosphere of any live sporting event in toronto it's unreal going there the the fans are incredible at bmo field and i can't wait to get back there for a for a, a game as soon as possible because i just think that it's so much fun you know you get in the fresh air the open air they got the songs they got the chance and that's not even holding a candle to what the European matches are like. If you ever watch one of those on TV and hear the fans going wild there, but something to look forward to once we're out of the woods here. Yes. I say we just ball out, Kenny, get some King can tall boys going and get front row seats. Cause I'm sure it'd be pretty doable uh, at BMO field and we can get the full experience. Yeah. The best is uh, getting the front row of like the second deck. Cause then you can see, cause then you can see the whole field. 
Yeah. The, the, if you try to get over in the supporter section, it gets a little bit hectic. It does. Like, I, like I'd just be like, ah, I went yeah. to, uh, we were actually during the playoff run a couple of years ago. We, my roommates and I, Patrick, went to every single playoff game that they had. Like we were just loving it. And like, as like TFC, locked in, eh? yeah, we were locked in. We were just like, we got to go. When are we going to see a run yeah. like this again? So we're at, at these playoff games and we're just like, absolutely like tattooed, like juiced out of our minds in the upper deck. And I believe that was uh, like in the 80th minute Toronto scored a goal to go ahead by one. And like everybody started celebrating and some supporter in the row behind me, like fell over the thing, like fell over his seat and like fell onto me. And like, we both fell down like six rows of like people in oh, BMO crap. field. Yeah. We, we were just like, we were just taking a ride, like down, like falling down like this, the whole supporter section, but nobody even didn't cared. Make sports center. Nobody cared. No, it's like, it was just, everybody was like, Oh yeah, we scored. It was just, I was like, man, 200 pound, 200 pound man just like almost took out your daughter, but who cares? Cause TFC took the lead. Well, when we were starting in our early years at CSM, we got to witness TFC really in its prime. They got an MLS cup title. This year's MLS cup championship was probably the most bland disinterested I've ever been Columbus versus Seattle. I mean, I know we were, you know, kind of thin on, on sports content around that time, but my goodness. And you know, what's funny is Columbus and, and Seattle, could meet in an NHL sequence in a conference final because Seattle's going to be in the West, obviously. Yeah, certainly. We'll be, cer- yeah. Certainly. We'll, we'll see how they end up shuffling the deck on the divisions because I feel like they might move some things around, but remains to be seen. We'll leave that for Jerry and company. Hey, so, Christmas time means, you know what it means? No, I don't. Well, I don't know. Enlighten me because I'm certain <laughs> that I'm certain it that means, whatever you're about to say is not what I think it means. It means world juniors, baby. And for the oh, first yeah, time. Yeah, and okay. I think I, ever I, I'm with you. It's starting on Christmas day, but Canada doesn't play their first game until That's, boxing day against Germany. Who is having serious COVID problems by the way. Yes. And Tim Stutzla will be leading that squad trying to get the, them one win. Tim, Tim, Timmy, Timmy superstar. Timmy as, uh, Super. as our friend friends on the locked on senators podcast like to call it yeah Huge it'll be like guys it's gonna be interesting to see how they figure this out because it seems like every other day it's another team that's having a covid outbreak and we've often highlighted looking at the nhl upcoming nhl season and looking at the past mlb season looking at the past nfl season it's not an issue of if this happens it's an issue of when it happens how are you going to deal with it and certainly so far, multiple teams at the World Junior Championship have had outbreaks and they're having difficulty containing it, which is alarming since we're basically, what, five days away from puck drop? Yes, and like admittedly, preliminary we're, games. We're recording, we're recording this on Sunday, December 20th, admittedly, because uh, we've got some holiday obligations. So wanted yeah. to bang that out a little bit early. Just uh, Just full disclosure for the listeners. But they've had to cancel a few little preliminary games so it's, I mean, clock's ticking here. It's a little scary, but I'm sure we'll get, we'll get a tournament going and it's going to last until the 5th of January. So crossing our fingers here, but I mean, everything's so up in the air, but if they do make the ice, Kenny, Canada is going to be absolutely loaded. I know on a previous pod, we were saying Alexi Lafreniere won't be playing, but that's not going to stop team Canada. There's out of the 22 skaters, 20 are first round picks. That's insane. Quinton Byfield is the fourth line center. 
He went second in the draft. Like, if, you, if you're another team, like, I can't wait to hear the Swiss coach talking about it again. Oh, he's, he's the our favorite interview at TSN. He's just like, oh, they're bigger, faster, stronger, Wasn't that a Slovakia skilled. coach? No, it's that, that Swiss coach. He always gives us the oh, best. Oh, yeah, true. He, he, gives every, he gives the best sound bites. I'll see if I can pull it and plug it in here because it's our favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite. They play it every year, so you better get ready for it. But He just tells just it basically, how it is. Yeah, he's basically like, what? He's like, what did you tell your players before you play Canada? He's like, well, they're bigger, stronger, faster. They're more skilled. They have more depth. They have better goaltending. He's yeah. like, he's, he's basically like, like we're gonna he's lose. Like, we have. Like, he's like, we have two. He's like, we have two second round picks. They have twenty first round picks. Like, what? What do you expect? That's all yes. you need. That's your soundbite, and you gotta run with it. Yeah, Kirby Doc also uh, named the captain of the Canadian squad. What do you make of the selection? I think he's going to be an outstanding piece for Canada. I mean, he already has some NHL experience, played pretty well with Chicago last year. Uh, he had eight goals, 23 points. So he's going to really see his role expanded um, as, a, as a key sentiment on that team, especially with um, a lot of the past players now making their transition into the NHL. Well, an honor for Kirby Doc, for certain, to wear the yes. C for any can- Canadian team is something that, you'll cherish for your whole career. You can just hang that Jersey up at home. And just to you know, when you're a little bit older and you're telling the kids, you know what? Yeah. I was the captain of team Canada. So that's congratulations to Kirby doc. I think that he's very uh, worthy of wearing the C for Canada. And I think that especially playing under a captain like Jonathan Taves in Chicago is going to prove worthwhile, or it's going to prove pay dividends for doc leading this team. And let's not kid ourselves. There are a ton of leaders in this locker room. So it's going to be how the group as a whole handles situations rather than just like who's wearing the C or the A. Albeit an honor, it's kind of like a little bit of a formality as well when you look at this group as a whole and what they're expected to achieve and who else is in the room with them. In past tournaments, we, we hear a lot about the goaltenders too. There hasn't been a lot of spotlight on it, on them in particular, but obviously the main focus is on the forward group. But we're actually going to break down in this segment the NHL Canadian Division's goalie one through seven. Okay, you want to start that right now? Let's get into it, buddy. Okay, uh, you go first. Who do you have at number seven? Number seven, I'm going with the Edmonton Oilers. A pretty <laughs> dull tandem. <laughs> I have them at seven as well. And Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. I don't think we need to elaborate too much on this, but this is just a pretty. This is just two backups as a tandem, really. This was, I think, a big faux pas by Ken Hollins not addressing this area of his team this offseason. Because I know you're expecting Koskinen. He's looked okay in a sheltered role as a backup, but Mike Smith certainly is not consistent enough to be a starter in the NHL anymore. I'm not even sure he's consistent enough to be the number one backup in the NHL at this point in his career. Seems like he's always out of the net handling the puck, turning it over, and then the things in the back of an empty net after a terrible pass. This tandem is far and away the worst in Canada. <laughs> it's, I yes. think it's particularly close. So, yeah, I got the Oilers at number seven as well. Who you got number six? I have a feeling our goalies rankings here will be a little bit more similar than the decor in the forward group. Yeah, we were pretty flip-flopped on both of those, to be honest. We were. Number seven, I'm going to take... Or pardon me, the number six, I'm going to take the Ottawa Senators. I know they got a pretty good upgrade and Matt Murray's got two cups, but I still kind of consider Murray more of a serviceable goalie. I don't think he's going to do anything radical for the team. 
And then in their backup, they have Nielsen, which he's had a few bright spots, but nothing major. But I slide them in at number six. I think that the acquisition of Matt Murray at his price point, as I pull up his cap friendly here, hold on just one moment. So yeah, it's uh, four years at 6.25. Decent contract. He gives some stability in net. I think that his past season in Pittsburgh, he really struggled in and out of the lineup. He's had some injury problems in the, in the postseason in years past, whereas, which has caused him to be in and out of the lineup. Obviously he was the played the majority of the games for the Pittsburgh Penguins when they won their two cups. Also though, when he was playing the majority of the games, let's not forget that Marc-Andre Fleury was often called upon to come off the bench in relief. Right. He's not going to have a safety blanket like that in Ottawa. He's expected to be the guy he's getting paid like the guy substantially more than Toronto's goalie, Frederick Anderson, over a million more than him. I'm not sure that Murray is going to find consistency, particularly when you look at the decor that's in front of him. As we outlined in the last podcast, you got Thomas Shabbat and then it's a skeleton crew outside of that. So for those reasons, I think that the Ottawa Senator is probably in the basement. Albeit, I will say that I think Matt Murray should be an upgrade over what they had last year in Craig Anderson at this point in his career. Yes. Well said. Number five. Uh, I'm going with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. You went Vancouver? Are we three for three right now? I went with the Canucks as well for at number five. Um, The departure of Markstrom, I think, is going to be a big problem for this team. And I think that they probably underestimated what Thatcher Demko is going to be able to do in a much bigger role. Now, let's see. Demko looked good. Obviously, like through the playoffs, he took over the the starting job for Markstrom during that stretch, but it remains to be seen if he can do that in a bigger role on the bigger stage. And they bring in Braden Holpe. Holpe is an established, you know, established bona fide NHL goaltender, but he struggled the last several years. There's a reason that Washington decided that it was time to move on from Holpe. So I'm not certain what you're going to get out of him, kind of similarly to the way that I'm not certain what the pens or what the sends rather are going to get out of Matt Murray after acquiring him from the pens. So for me, uh, a couple of questions on the, on the back end, I really think that they made a mistake letting Markstrom go to Calgary and it's going to come back to bite them. So the Canucks for me at number five, number four, the buds, Frederick yep. Anderson and Jack Campbell. Yeah. Uh, we're in line so far. Um, I think as a tandem for four, I like Jack Campbell a lot better in the backup role. Uh, we've often discussed a sound upgrade in the, in the backup role. No doubt. Yes. At least have been searching for one of those for years and it failed with McElhaney. It failed with Hutchinson, even well, though they brought him back. Well, McElhaney, like to his credit, he played excellent while he was here, but the failure was actually on the management not to bring him back. They had too much faith in Garrett Sparks, who was the AHL goalie of the year. He's in the system, I believe. For and now he's in ECHL. Years in Toronto. Yes. He signed with the Orlando solar bears. So his career, huge. obviously, yeah, huge for Sparks, I guess. He's still sniffing around pro hockey, but they haven't been able to fill but, the void since McElhaney left. It's just been a rotating door. You know, Hutchinson hasn't looked good. You know, we mentioned Garrett Sparks hasn't looked good. It's just they haven't been able to find that guy who they can plug in behind Anderson who's going to be able to get you a win. Now, they go out and get Jack Campbell from the LA Kings, and I think the most important part of Campbell's game is that he'll give you the big save when you need it. 
like in the third period, he'll give you, he'll give up three in a game, but in the third period, he's going to come up with that big save on the penalty kill and keep you in the game, which, and the, by all accounts, I mean, my goodness, you hear the other players coming in, you know, the leaf guys in the locker room, they all love Campbell, which I think is so important as well for a backup immediately. Immediately. He assimilated. He was immediately beloved. And when you look at a backup netminder, that's so important that you bring in a guy who a isn't necessarily going to threaten the starter for Frederick Anderson. I know some netminders like to be pushed a little bit. I'm not sure that Anderson is that guy. I think he likes to know that he's the number one Campbell, the number two who can come in in relief. He can get hot and maybe steal some starts from Frederick Anderson. Let's see what, what transpires this season, because I also think in a shortened season, having a bona fide tandem like this, where Campbell can maybe take 20 games and then Anderson takes the other, whatever it is, 38 games. I think that could look really good for Toronto. I think it's going to ensure, you know, more security with Anderson knowing that, okay, if I have an off night or get pulled or give up, you know, four or five goals, at least management and Anderson can be like, okay, like we at least have like a decent chance with a pretty sound backup. And the Leafs were, as I said, hunting for one of those for years. And finally, and I think they, they found, I don't want to say they struck gold. It's a backup tender, but probably one of the best backup goaltenders in the league and they finally were able to to pull the trigger and get it done so the Leafs landing at number four in terms of goalie tandems number three I'm going with the reigning Vesna Cup winner Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets, the Jets. backing him backing him up is Laurent Boursois who had a couple uh, good stints uh, between the pipes but mainly Hellebuck riding this wave and he is uh, my number three yeah for me I had the Calgary Flames now, I could make an argument that they could be number four. These two are basically flip-flop for me because I think that the Maple Leafs backup situation might be a little bit better than Calgary's. I think Markstrom might be a little bit better than Frederick Anderson. So flip-flop them if you want. But for me, at number three, it's Calgary. Uh, Markstrom, probably like pretty easily a top 10 goalie in the league. I think that some of the analysts over at TSN have him ranked even higher than that. They might even put him in the top five conversation for netminders in the league with what he's been able to accomplish. And then David Riddick, a sustainable backup. Perhaps we've seen, you know, we've seen in the past Calgary trying to elevate his role a little bit. I think he might be perfect just to be a guy who they can bring in, can get you a win between the pipes, maybe play 20, 25 games for the Calgary Flames and take some relief off of Markstrom. But as a tandem, I think that this, they really have a chance to succeed at number two. I had the Winnipeg jets and this okay. is based off of Connor Heliabuck. Like you said, the backup is a little bit more irrelevant to me in this circumstance because Kelly Buck has done the yeoman's share of the work over the last several seasons in Winnipeg and without a ton of help with a veteran decor in front of him or anything like that, he's able to chalk up a Vesna trophy last year. So incredible play out of him. If he can sustain that level of play, which will be difficult, then Winnipeg is not going to have any problems or shouldn't have any problems, rather, making the playoffs in the Canadian division. It is a big expectation on this goaltender, but he's proven that he's up to the task. So number two for me, the Winnipeg Jets. So we have essentially swapped Calgary and Winnipeg. And Hellebuck could be at number two. Uh, I put Calgary at number two with Markstrom and, and Riddick, as you said a pretty serviceable backup in Riddick and Markstrom career 911 uh, save percentage. And I think he's only going to keep getting better. I mean, we saw glimpses of it uh, with Vancouver in, in the playoffs last year. And I think he's going to turn the heads of many and an absolutely uh, huge ba- uh, pickup 
for Calgary in the off season. They definitely, uh, they definitely got the the better end than Vancouver. Well, it's another not, thing with the, with the goaltenders. It's, they, right. they just aren't available. Yeah. Like how often does a number one goaltender show up for trade? Like it seems like once like you can sign in free agency, oftentimes you end up overpaying cite the Florida Panthers. Look at what they paid for Bobrovsky. And now they seem like they're in trouble. I suspect that the $10 million contracts might be a thing of the past for these netminders. You won't really see too many of those moving into the future. But for Calgary to snap up Markstrom and get some stability in net for the next foreseeable future, that was huge for the Flames. And number one. Number one, well, obviously we have the same, and it's the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price has been pulling that team out of the gutter for for years, and basically the only reason why they got a a sniff past the playing round. And I think Jake Allen is a nice upgrade, too, in the backup. They're they're my number one, no doubt. Carey Price has been arguably the best goaltender in the league for the last decade. You know, people have been pretty critical, particularly Leaf fans have been very critical of Mark Bergevin's moves, uh, particularly at the goaltending position. I mean, you know, big contract for Carey Price, and then they bring in Jake Allen from St. Louis, who I believe this season, um, if I pull up my happy cap friendly, which just gives me all the answers that I need, um, this season he's making about just over $4 million bucks a year. So basically they have... 15 million bucks of cap space tied into net minders for this season. But then they get Allen on the extension. So he takes a little bit of a pay cut moving forward after that. He's getting paid just uh, two, just under 3 million bucks a year after that. I think it's so important for goaltenders like Carey Price to have a backup who is serviceable, who you can plug in and just take some of the relief off. In a regular 82 game season, you need Allen to start 35 games. You need Allen to start 35, you give Price the rest, and then hopefully that's enough to get you into the playoffs. I know oftentimes with teams like particularly like Toronto, they are able to solidify themselves into playoff position early on in the year because they just throw away a game here to Columbus on a Tuesday night. They throw away a game there to Minnesota on a Thursday. And next thing you know, you're a couple points behind and you're playing catch up for the rest of the way. And then you have to ride your starter down the stretch. And then even if you make the playoffs, they're exhausted and they aren't ready for the run for the Montreal Canadians. Now they aren't necessarily going to have to worry about that. They can try to get, give Carey price some rest, make sure that he's fresh. And let's be honest, the NHL players were pulled last season and they said that the hardest goalie in the league to score on is Carey price. So if you can keep him well-rested and healthy, that's going to be essential for the Montreal Canadian success as they move into the back nine of his career. And this 56-game schedule, too, Kenny, is going to be huge for teams that rely on their number one goaltender, like Montreal, like Toronto, like Winnipeg. Because in a typical regular 82-game sked, you know, there, there were years where Anderson was playing like 60 games, starting yeah. 60 games, and it just wore on. It's terrible. So this is going to be great to divvy up the games. Like you said, Allen getting more of uh, time in net, and Campbell getting more time, and David Riddick. So... This this fifty six game schedule is is certainly a blessing in disguise for uh, number one goaltenders. Well, even if you, you like, so even if you had to ride them though, so right. let's say like the Maple Leafs had to ride Frederick Anderson because they're playing like crap and you know Jack Campbell looks awful in net or there's an injury to Campbell and then you have to bring up Aaron Dell and you don't feel comfortable with him necessarily getting a ton of starts. Let's say theoretically that's the position. Fifty six game season, you could play Anderson for forty games. 
and you're still going to be coming 20 shy of what he's been used to over the last several years. Exactly. I'll be a little bit of a condensed schedule, but there's the physical fatigue for these netminders is just going to be so much like the workload is going to be so much less when you take out those, you know, 25 games or whatever it is, you know, moving from eight and 82 to a 56 game season. That, that's the position that's going to benefit the most from this. And that much more fresher for the playoffs. Exactly. When, so when, when games you, really matter. Yeah. And when you look at, like you said, I think the, this is probably the strongest area for the Canadian division, I think is the goaltending from top to bottom. Yes. I mean, Matt Murray, two time Stanley cup champion is coming in at, at sixth in our power right. rankings. So that shows you just how strong top to bottom the goaltending has been in Canada, really outside of Edmonton. I think everybody has a pretty good chance at getting quality starts. We had mentioned the Panthers before. Do you see that uh, Anthony Duclair signed up with them? One-year deal, no money disclosed at this point in time? I like it. I think Anthony Duclair is going to be a, a pretty impactful player in this league. I mean, he had a couple good stints with the Senators or a couple of good games, I should say, with the Senators last year. Yeah, he was on a heater um, there. I believe he, he was. had 26 goals, or he finished up the season with something something around there. He was. But he, but was, he was on a heater. Ranks. He was on a heater early on in the year, and then he kind of tapered off. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I'm, glad he, I'm glad he got a one year just to kind of, you know, at least prove himself again and try and maybe earn a, a longer deal. But I think Anthony DeClaire can still be a pretty impactful player in this league. Well, the Panthers will be hoping that they can get similar production of Duclair yeah. that they got out of like a similar to like Mike Hoffman a couple of years back. Obviously, Hoffman, a more talented offensive player, but Duclair, he's got something to prove. He started off hot. Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators wanted to keep him in Ottawa, potentially, like I heard, give it gave him a nice offer for term based off his production, and he declined because he thinks that he had a breakout year. He's betting on himself on a one year contract, which is always risky in contact sports is, you know, you have one injury, one twist to the knee ACL, you go down and you, you might have been leaving money on the table. So it's very let's, true, Ken. let's see what happens with Duclair. I love the, I love the mentality. It just show it's a winner's mentality, you know, saying, you know, screw you guys. I'm worth more than this. So give me a one year deal. And then we'll go back to the negotiating table after that. So love it from Duclair, to be honest. It's a great signing. It's a great signing for Florida. And you mentioned Hoffman. We're, we're recording this on we're recording this on December twentieth. He is still unsigned. Yes, but uh, he was a. He, there's been some chatter or some connections with him in Vegas. So I I don't, I don't know. What's no, going on. like well, I, I don't know if Vegas like they obviously can't fit him in right now. They need to no. still. We're talking about unloading salary. But, they need to relax here. But if if Vegas were like it would be an attractive destination for Hoffman. If he was just going to do a similar thing to Duclair, maybe just sign a one-year deal at, I don't know, 3.5 or something like that, and then just go to a contender and have a chance oh, yeah. to, to have a chance to win the cup. And then if you win the cup and you have a great postseason, you have a great regular season, then you go sign you know an $8 million ticket somewhere else. Maybe some sort of bridge deal could be in the works. Not yeah. exactly like a one-year. I think I think Hoffman would, would be pushing for a little more uh, a little of a security. He's term, more a little more secure. He's more accomplished than Duclair for sure, but the market isn't there. If you have to sort of take a you know lesser money over three or four years versus just taking you know a pay cut for one year and then hopefully going back to the table next season after another productive season, I don't know. We we know the risks involved. Like we were just saying, you get injured, you're out of luck. So for these players, they obviously would prefer the term. And I feel bad for Hoffman and Duclair to be honest because they just got screwed 
by a situation that was unforeseeable. The well, cap, it's similar to cap, yeah, pandemic. It just screwed up their free agency. They were thinking, yeah, this is the year that I'm going to cash in. Now here they are sitting at the table, being like, well, where the hell am I going to play hockey? Well, it's like when Dave Bolin won the cup with the Blackhawks in 2013. He actually scored the game-winning goal in game six with like seconds remaining. Thought he won it in overtime. It's pretty funny. And, you know, he goes to the GM's office a few days later and say, hey, you know, where's the where's the checkbook? What are we talking to your term? Like he wanted to get paid. Sorry, can't. Signs a one-year in Toronto, gets 10 points in his first 14 games, gets injured, done for the season, dealt to Florida. So it, it is really risky to having that one-year deal because obviously there's no security. And Dave Bowen looked like really strong the first couple of games he had with, with Toronto, but, and Chicago couldn't keep him. Couldn't afford him after their, their cup win in, in 2013. No, that's what happens. You win the cup and then you just get all, all your spare parts just get taken off you. Like look at the Kings. They're just, they're in just a big trouble because they've got all these big contracts and all these older players, you know, Carter, Doughty, um, Kopitar and they've got no subsequent pieces because they tied up all their money and you have to sign those guys as to you have to sign those guys after what they were able to accomplish in the postseason but then after that all your depth players just get picked clean and they've haven't been able to recover really since then I'm just doing a little bit more research on this bowling stuff so when he was with the Leafs he had one year remaining on his contract, just over three mil. Then he signed five years in Florida, 28 mil total. That's a decent <laughs> ticket. My God. Yeah, but then you, <laughs> then you go to Florida, though. It's not a bad place to play. No. Like if you're going to no. play hockey, you may as well just hang out by the beach. Like, he already had won the cup, so what else does he have to necessarily prove to anybody? Like, if you're going to go just take a $30 million paycheck, you know, no, no state income tax, just get a nice villa in uh, South Beach. Shut it down. Yeah, it's not it's not the worst way to place to end your career. No, fair enough. We brought up Braden Braden Holpe a little bit a little while ago. I mean, obviously, we we're talking about him a little bit earlier in the goalie rankings. But did you see that now he's redesigning his goalie mask based off of the public backlash? I I was openly opposed to the public backlash and i guess there's a couple of uh, indigenous leaders who came out and spoke on it so obviously that's their perspective and they were you know naming cultural appropriation and stuff like that i really love the mask i didn't see any problem with it but now he's changing the mask and he's consulting native artists from the area to help him redesign it which i think is a smart move for holpe he hasn't they aren't saying you have to just scrap the whole thing but at least get some of the community involved in that and i do like that idea a lot that's awesome, man. And, you know, it speaks volumes to, to your heritage too. You can connect with that a little bit better than, than myself, but I think it's great. I think it's great for, for Holpe to, to do this. And yeah. He's just such great. a nice guy. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I, re- I remember a couple of years back, I drafted him in NHL and he was just like a disgruntled player. And he caused all these problems in my locker room. And I was like, I don't think this is really true. And then you see these stories coming out about how he's trying to cross the border in Canada and he gets stuck at the airport because his tortoises couldn't clear customs. So he's just stuck in the Vancouver airport waiting on the, his reptiles to, to get, to get into Canada. He just like, just hanging out there. His wife was tweeting about it. Everybody yes. lost it. That is preposterous. I wouldn't want to deal with an NHL player at an airport. 
that's on like a layover or something. Man, I had the the worst layover of my life was in the Detroit airport. We were flying back from my cousin's wedding in Phoenix. Had a direct flight from Phoenix to Toronto. The flight was supposed to leave at noon. They ended up the flight got ended up getting underbooked, so they sold off the rights to Southwest or whatever. So they ended up changing our booking to a flight that left at 6:30 in the morning from Phoenix, flew to Detroit, had a 10-hour layover. And then flew from Detroit to Toronto. And wow. I, I, I absolutely lost it on WestJet customer service. Yeah. I was like, are I, you I kidding me? Did. I had a direct flight leaving at noon. That should have been, you know, whatever it is, four hours from Phoenix to Toronto or something like that. And then instead, you book me off on a flight that's leaving at 630 in the morning with a 10-hour layover in Detroit. The, like the only good thing in the Detroit airport is they got, uh, they got um, the chicken place. What's the... What's the one that just came to Toronto? I can't, I can't even remember. Chick-fil-A. Not Mary Brown's. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. They got Chick-fil-A yeah. in the terminal at the Detroit airport. Just hammered it back. Yeah, so I hit up, I hit that up twice, but then I was like, what the, what the hell am I going to do here for the next eight hours? Right. It's a disaster. Yeah, what are you going to do? Jesus. Yeah, that's a, it's not a, yeah, it's like I'm not going to like go out and like poke around the city either. It's like, whatever, I'll just wait no. it out in the airport, I guess. I got all my luggage and stuff with me. Like my yeah. carry-ons, I'm not gonna go try and find like a restaurant and just be like, "Hey, can you like keep these behind the yeah. counter?" Are the Red Wings playing tonight? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, no, because I got afternoon there like, game. Yeah, I got there at like 11 a.m. and then I didn't leave till you know 8 p.m. One time I was flying home from Costa Rica and I was taking Sunwing, not the greatest of airlines. Sunwing. Sunwing. I've never yeah. heard of Sunwing in my life. Well, I definitely won't be returning <laughs> on that fl- on that flight because, <laughs> and I think this is like something that you don't usually deal with. I mean, people get angry at airports. They're not in good moods. They want to get, they want to get to where they're going, obviously. But this was when we were coming back and the pilot came on the intercom and, and said, listen, our, our aircraft is too heavy. We're going to have to randomly 70 to 80 bags before we take off. So it's just a collective, like, Oh, like everyone's okay. So everyone was already in a bad mood because we're delayed. Now they're just like up in arms. So I can just see like, so I'm with, uh, this is pre-COVID, so 2018, 19. So I'm with nine other family members, and we just see like five, six, seven bags of ours just dropped in Costa Rica and oh. like the airport. And they're like, so we're gonna get <laughs> a different just... aircraft that's coming oh from Mexico, God. and we're gonna like do it and and put it in there and separate. But it just really sucked for my sister and my cousin who had to go back to their respective schools in BC and Thunder Bay, and my sister didn't get her suitcase. So she had to wait like a week or so. It just, you know, like she eventually got it back, but just like, it just, I've never been in a situation where like, we're too heavy to, to leave. So everyone's (laughs) laughing like, well, clearly like going to Costa Rica, we're all fine, but clearly in a week, I guess we all gained 10 pounds plus like 50 pound suitcases. Yeah. People are just buying, you know, stuff to bring home souvenirs, all that sort of stuff. Oh, I can't even. Sunwing Airlines. There you go. Yeah. You just see, you just see all your bags. Like you're just hoping it's not your bag. Yeah, That's I'm just looking at the little window. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I can't even imagine. Then you have a connecting flight, and then they get there. They're like, here you go. Yeah. Whoa. Is this yours? It's red, right? Red suitcase? No, no, it's black. <laughs> oh, God. Well, no traveling for like the holidays or anything this year for me. I'm just going to be uh, posting up in Toronto, hanging out with uh, just my significant other. So yes. happy holidays to you, B-Mac. 
Enjoy Likewise, Kenny. Enjoy the time with your family. Are you um are you popping up north to spend some time? I'll be with them? I'll be up north briefly at the cottage, but uh wishing a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's and happy holidays to our listeners. We really appreciate you listening and subscribing and rating. Uh we're looking forward to the new year. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Uh, exciting NHL hockey to right around the corner, World Junior starting up. So that'll be a nice little appetizer for the big season that starts on January 16th. Hopefully fingers crossed. I'm cautiously crossed, optimistic baby. that fingers they're going to be able baby. to get it done, but either way, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll be watching NHL hockey and just to follow up on BMAX comments. Thank you to everybody who subscribes and listens. Um, we couldn't do it without you guys. And we appreciate the support and just keep rating, keep subscribing, tell your friends, tell your family. And uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Throw us a follow on Twitter as well, at LeafsPod, at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at HockeyPodNet. Happy holidays, and we'll see you in the new year. Is it in the new year? <laughs> it's I not. Think, yeah, yeah, probably. No, because it's like it's the 25th, and then we'll be recording probably on like the 28th. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.